In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. On Friday, Canada will get some new economic data. That data will determine, among other things, if the Bank of Canada might hike interest rates yet again. But one thing it won't do is push us into a sudden recession. Which is odd, I guess, if you've been listening to predictions for the past year or more. The RBC is now expecting that the economy will go into a mild recession in the second and third quarters of this year. They say um, our view is that you will see a relatively severe recession in Canada. A severe the recession. Months. Yes. I've never seen the same confluence of factors that I see now that really push towards, I think, a significant recession, a significant pullback. So uh, what happened to that recession we were promised? Where is it? Is it still a possibility? And if not then how did we avoid it? If inflation is falling, does that mean the bank will finally stop hiking those interest rates and maybe even at long last lower them? What exactly does this roller coaster of an economy have in store for us this fall? And how's it going to actually impact you? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. David McDonald is a senior economist for the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives National Office. Hey, David. Hello. I have to ask, what happened to that recession that we were supposed to get uh, this time last year? Everybody was talking about it. Where's the recession? Yeah, it's true. I mean, one of the things I think to, to note is that real GDP growth has been fairly weak. Real GDP is what defines a recession, or, you know, a recession being two quarters of negative real GDP growth. You know, you have to have slightly smaller growth in one quarter versus the previous quarter. uh, And it has to be two quarters in a row. And that's, you know, that's the technical definition of a recession. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen a negative quarter of real GDP growth. Well, we we did slightly. There was a revision in the last quarter of of, uh, last year, 2022. Mm -hmm. And so the first half of the year, I mean, we had strong January and then a fair amount of weakness where we saw basically no growth for four months. And then it looks like a strong May. Preliminary data says a reasonably strong June. And we will get kind of the the better picture, as it were, of June uh, at the start of September. And so that may indicate positive growth for the second quarter. We had positive growth in the first quarter of 2023, positive growth in the second quarter. There was certainly the, the prediction that once interest rates started to climb rapidly, that we would start to see a recession, which is, you know, which is another way of saying smaller real GDP. Uh, and we didn't see that. Right. In some areas, we are certainly seeing 
the effect of higher interest rates, you know, if you take a look at the part of GDP that has to do with residential construction, so, you know, building more houses, building more apartment buildings, that sort of thing, mm -hmm. we have certainly seen uh, a fairly substantial decline in economic activity in that particular area. But broadly, we just haven't seen, um, you know, that spread to other areas outside of, um, you know, that kind of very quite predictable impact of higher interest rates. Is this splitting hairs on a technicality when we talk about whether or not Canada is getting a recession? You know, if the economic data are not robustly positive and, you know, while you describe some positive numbers, you kind of made a point of saying, you know, it hasn't been great. How much does it matter whether it's a recession or not, given that people are still dealing with inflation, higher interest rates and, and the effects that those can have on various parts of their lives? Yeah, I mean, it is a bit of an artificial line, right? I mean, if growth goes above zero, it's not a recession. But if it goes a dollar below zero, it is a recession. There's nothing, you know, particularly magic about that line. Yeah. Despite the fact that the growth has been weak, it has been positive. So it has been slightly above that line. So we haven't been seeing, you know, it's, it, it's been weak growth. That's that's for sure. But it hasn't been negative growth. And it certainly hasn't been strongly negative growth. But this is from the GDP perspective, right? The other thing to look at is the labor market perspective. Right. Now, we often think that they're the same. They are not the same, and they measure different things. You can certainly have a period where you've got weak GDP growth, but you've got a relatively strong labor market. And I think that's certainly something that we have seen over the course of, of 2023 and late 2022. I mean, we saw a negative quarter of real GDP growth in, at the end of 2022, but the labor market was quite strong, hmm. quite low unemployment. It has ticked up a bit over the last couple months, which is definitely something to keep an eye on. But broadly speaking, it's a very strong labor market. Interestingly, uh, certainly for the last six months now, I believe, we've actually seen wage growth, hourly wage growth, exceed inflation. Right. We had uh, two and a half years of inflation being well ahead of wage growth. So workers, you know, falling further and further behind, not keeping pace with inflation. And that situation has reversed now. We are seeing real wage increases vis-a-vis -vis inflation. Hmm. And so I think it's very much worthwhile keeping an eye on uh, the unemployment rate, which has been ticking up slowly over the course of the summer. Uh, but again, it's still relatively low, all, all things considered. And so it continues to be a relatively strong labor market, despite the fact that, as, as we've been saying, real GDP growth has been pretty weak uh, over the course of several months, certainly at the, you know, at the start of 2023. I have seen a couple of arguments recently from economists arguing that we might want a recession for the long-term health of the country and individuals' finances. Before I get your opinion on that, can you just explain to us why some people might see it that way, even if you disagree? Yeah, why, why do people want a recession? One of the reasons is that we have inflation. Yeah. And so the idea is that to get inflation down, the pathway to that is to have less money in consumers' pockets. So they can't spend that money and they can't drive inflation higher. And so certainly, you know, we saw uh, data points on inflation below 3%. So, you know, the, the, the Bank of Canada is targeting between 1% and 3% with the mid, midpoint being 2 We saw, you know, one data point below, importantly below that 3%. The next one came in above that 3%. But potentially more importantly, the measures that the Bank of Canada follows, it kind of has its own custom version of, of CPI that excludes some of the, you know, food and gas 
to, to focus more on some of the core inflation. Hmm. And that has remained well at, above the, the 3%, which is sort of the top of the range where they want to see it. So how do you get inflation down? Well, you cause a recession. I mean, that's, that's one of the roots. Uh, a bunch of people lose their jobs. They can't spend anymore. And so as a result, less people go out to eat and, you know, the price of food at, at, at restaurants comes down. And therefore you've got, you know, or people can't shop anymore for groceries because they don't have money. And so therefore the price of, uh, you know, the, the price of food in grocery stores comes down. Seems like a tough way to do it. Well, I mean, I suppose it depends on whether you're the person losing your job or not, right? This for the long-term growth of the, uh, you know, the economy, you have to lose your job. Well, yeah, why don't you try it first? It's always great when somebody else sacrifices, you know, they're the ones getting unemployed for your benefit. I think what's interesting here is that we have seen inflation come back down to at the high end of the range, to be sure, one to three percent. You know, I'm all for just declaring victory and saying, you know, we're in the range. That's great. You know, we, we don't need to continue with higher uh, interest rates in the fall. I think that's unfortunately probably what we'll see. But in any event, we don't need a recession. And certainly the bank has always promised a quote unquote soft landing. Now, the point of a soft landing is you get to lower inflation without sacrificing people's jobs, without a recession. Like that's the promise. That's what I think most people would prefer. Hmm. We just never done it that way. Right. I mean, you know, the, the route to getting inflation down has always been via a recession, substantial job loss. I hope we don't have to do that this time. We'll see whether the bank, you know, is really committed to two instead of 3%. And I think if we continue to see uh, these numbers around 3%, which isn't actually going to shock me, uh, that we'll see more interest rate hikes. And, you know, the longer these higher interest rates stay in place, that kind of bakes in these higher interest costs into the economy, and it increases the risk of a recession. You know, one of the things I think that's really underappreciated is the bank itself, frankly, um, you know, makes these types of arguments, but, you know, they're fine tuning the economy and, you know, a 0.25% increase in interest rates is going to decrease inflation next month by whatever, 0.25% or something. The lag times on these interest rate changes and their impacts on the economy are huge. Hmm. So it's a year and a half to two years to get the full impact of these rate hikes. You know, try driving a car with a two-year delay. Um, that's what the Bank of Canada is in essence trying to do here. And so we're not even going to see the full impacts of the rate hikes that started about a year and a half ago till, you know, the spring of next year. Right. Uh, and so there's these huge delays. And so the longer that these rate hikes stay in place, the more people have to refinance their mortgages, the more businesses have to roll over business loans at these much higher interest rates. And then they really take the hit because... At present, a lot of folks are insulated. You know, you've got a fixed rate mortgage. Right. Even if you have a variable rate mortgage, you potentially have fixed payments. When you look at the business sector, it's similar. I mean, parts of the business sector certainly be repriced immediately to, to new interest rates, but a lot of it wouldn't. Hmm. And so it takes time for these things to sort of get into the economy and for people to say, holy cow, I'm spending all my money and interest. I can't go out to eat anymore. You know, I can't go on vacation. Uh, and then you get kind of a much more direct impact on the economy. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now.
isn't this part of the deal that when the inflation came back down, that interest rates would also come down? And, you know, there, there's a great deal of harm potentially being done to people, as you mentioned, who are refinancing right now. And what's even crazier is that mortgage interest is part of inflation. And it is one of the driving factors now for higher inflation. Huh. So you've got, you've got the Bank of Canada saying, we've got to increase interest rates to decrease inflation, except those increased interest rates increase inflation or part of it in any event. You know, there's, there's this assumption that higher interest rates affect all prices equally, which is completely false. It affects some prices very specifically, notably the price of houses, the price of cars, interestingly. Mm -hmm. It tends to decrease those prices, other things being equal, but it also increases other parts of inflation. So it increases the cost of rent because people can't buy houses and so they stay in the rental market and it increases mortgage interest costs as a kind of direct effect of having higher interest rates. And so it's not immediately clear in the short term that these higher interest rates are going to make inflation lower. I mean, it could if, if house prices fall faster than mortgage interest costs go up. And so I've actually done a bit of a calculation. And so it depends on the month. Sometimes these higher interest rates in those areas that they have a big impact do result in lower inflation, but sometimes they don't. And so this is one of the interesting features of kind of living through this, that inflation is built up from actual prices. And some of those prices don't go the opposite way of interest rates. Some of them go the same way as interest rates. You raise interest rates, the interest rate portion of, of CPI goes up. And so, you know, this is going to be pretty obvious to homeowners saying, you know, look, I, I'm paying a lot more in mortgage interest costs. You know, my inflation on interest costs is going up. And that is absolutely true. It's being largely offset by declines in, in house prices and declines in the cost of real estate transaction costs. One of the other things that higher interest rates, other things being equal, are going to do is drive down car prices. Which are insanely high right now, I believe. Which are insanely high, but it doesn't matter because, you know, you've got such a backlog of cars that, that we haven't really seen that impact yet. In other, you know, in other, other things being equal, in other circumstances, you would see that impact. We really haven't seen that impact yet of big declines in, in car sales as a result of much higher car loan interest as well, which is related to interest rates. Since you just mentioned housing, this is one of the things I'm really curious about. It's been an incredibly hot topic this summer. And by that, I mean like an incredibly politicized topic. It's the chief line of uh, attack for uh, the federal opposition. It was number one on the agenda at the Liberal government's cabinet summit last week. What happens to the economy when it's so dependent on housing, whether that's home prices, homes as an investment, mortgage payments, et cetera, if the federal government or provincial governments decide to really get serious about the housing crisis? One of the interesting impacts of higher interest rates is much lower residential investment on the GDP accounts. So builders are building at a time when we, if anything, need a lot more housing because interest rates are so high and builders aren't sure that they can they can move houses and make money on, you know, new construction in addition it you know changes their own economics. So hmm. this is one of the biggest declines that we've seen in the various GDP accounts is residential investment as a result of higher interest rates, one of the most predictable impacts. And so if anything, if we want to have more houses, I don't I don't think there's a lot of disagreement that we should be having more housing, the private sector is not going to do it. I mean, high interest rates mean the private sector is not going to do it. And so if anything, there's a much greater case for public involvement in residential investment, you know, building apartment buildings, you know, pur purpose-built rental, 
now is a time for governments to be involved in this area like never before. One of the interesting features of much higher interest rates is the federal government could offer much more subsidized interest rates. And now that makes a big difference for new developments of a particular kind. So, you know, you'd say, look, it has to be non-market housing. So you're not charging whatever the market will bear. You're charging uh, what what you need to sort of cover your costs. Hmm. Uh, And the federal government says, look, we'll provide you a loan at 0% interest or something like that. You know, two years ago, 0% interest didn't really matter that much because interest rates were super low. Now it matters a lot more. You know, you go back to the 70s or 80s, you could pick years when half of all new units being built in, say, apartment buildings were being built and funded by the federal government. Yeah, we've done episodes about how that stopped and and the impact that it's had, the outsized impact it's had on affordable housing in this country. Yeah, and so there's there's a lot of catch-up to be done there, to be sure. Uh, now's a great time to do it. Five years ago would have been a great time to do it. Uh, and so this is certainly gaining traction. And so, I, I mean, I hope that there, that there is a much bigger push to the construction of, of affordable housing, non-market housing, that isn't just like pay farm fields outside big cities and put mansions up, mm-hmm. uh, put single family homes up, you know, and, and put people down highways. Like that's not the solution, right? It, it It's not about sprawl anymore. It's about densification and increasing density closer to downtown cores just because the sprawl has gotten so bad in, in big cities, you know, the traffic's gotten so bad in the GTA and so on. So mm-hmm. the right answer is more supply of a particular type. Um, And that's going to be sort of denser housing, non-market housing, likely at this point funded by the federal government at potentially much reduced interest rates for people who want to build that type of housing. Over the next few months, uh, and I guess this week, I guess, since there is, as you mentioned, a GDP report um, coming on Friday, what will you be watching for in terms of getting an idea of what Canadians should be planning for in the winter and spring to come? And I guess... uh, The ultimate last question is, is it conceivable that over the next six months or longer, interest rates could actually begin falling again? Yeah, I mean, certainly. So we've got the September, we've got the GDP uh, data coming out this Friday. We've got the next Bank of Canada decision the following week about whether they're going to change interest rates. I think they probably won't. But, you know, those are two big pieces coming up just at the start of the year. I think we really need to watch the inflation statistics, particularly the core inflation statistics uh, that have remained well outside the 1% to 3% range. The longer they stay outside of that, in addition, just the mainline number, if the mainline number stays at around 3%, I think all of those likely mean that we're not going to see decreases in interest rates, but rather we're going to see increases, further increases in interest rates. I think what the bank wants to see is a sub 2%, you know, a couple months of sub 2% inflation figures, you know, like 1.8, 1.9. We're not going to get there for a while, unfortunately. And so what that may well mean is is more interest rates, not interest rate increases, rather, uh, not fewer. Uh, You know, it does look like the second quarter GDP statistics, which which is what's going to come out on September 1st they will be positive. It looks like, uh, you know, the first quarter was saved by what happened in January. And the second quarter looks like it'll be saved by strong growth in May and potentially June, although there, there may be some revisions there. But, you know, we're, we're not on track for a recession. You know, we just haven't seen negative quarters of, of real GDP growth so far in 2023, nor any indication that that's going to happen. Growth seems like it it is, it is continuing. And the, the labor market, despite certainly some weakness in the last two months worth of data, uh, has remained quite strong. I think all these, unfortunately, bode poorly for 
more rate increases in the future, unfortunately. Um, but, um, you know, we'll have to watch that over the course of the fall. David, thank you for this, even if it's not necessarily the news that Canadians staring down a renegotiated mortgage uh, might want to hear, but uh, we'll see what happens. That's right. I mean, this is the trouble is that good news becomes bad news, depending on how the Bank of Canada reacts to it. David McDonald, Senior Economist at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives National Office. That was The Big Story. For more, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can also reach out to us on Twitter. We're at TheBigStoryFPN. Let us know what you think of deep economic episodes. I wonder if it's to everyone's taste. I also think it's one of the few topics that will hit everyone at some point this fall. If you want to write to us, you can use email. Send it to hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. And if you just want to call us and talk, you can do it. Leave a voicemail, 416-935-5935. You can get The Big Story anywhere you like. And of course, on smart speakers, you just ask them to play The Big Story podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. Tomorrow.